Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news by making disciples of Jesus Christ. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from yesterday's message from our We Are series. Let's take a listen. You know, there's topics that we always talk about on a Sunday that that I think that we could advertise them, like that whole wives submit to your husbands. And I really think we could like sell tickets to that because people just wanna hear, well, okay, well, what's he gonna say about that one? But then there's those topics that you, you share about, that you preach about, that you kind of want to keep them quiet because you're afraid if you announce it that nobody's going to show up. Today's one of those days. Today is our third value of what God has kind of placed on our heart at Chestnut Mountain and who I feel that God has called us to be. Um, and if you've not been here, if this is your first time here, this, we've taken a five-week series here where we're talking about we are And these are the five values that we know that through prayer that God has impressed upon our hearts that we're really gonna focus on. And this is how we, this is who we are and this is what we're going to do. The very first week, we talked about how biblical teaching is our number one value. That one is not up for compromise. That is something that we're always gonna be about and we're never changing that. Then last week, we we talked about, what was last week? Intentional community. We talked about being intentional about community, that God didn't create us to do this life alone, that he's called us to do it together. Today is grateful generosity. Then next week, we're gonna be talking about active humility. What does it look like to be a humility servant? And then the last week, um, we're gonna talk about surrendered obedience. But today, we're gonna get to dive into grateful generosity. Because God has placed on our heart here at Chestnut Mountain that we want to be a generous church. We wanna be a church who is open-handed with what God has given us. From people, from finances to resources, whatever we have, we have to recognize that it's not ours, it's all the Lord's anyway. And what God has called us to do is be ready to let go of it. I've shared so many times that Miss June will come in my office on Mondays and she'll just say, oh, it's just great. The people are giving, praise God. And I said, Miss June, God's gonna keep giving it. We gotta keep letting go of it. That's why he's giving it. It's because he's entrusting us to be stewards of that. But the beauty of it is, is as God has placed on our hearts to be a generous church, that's becoming what we're known for in our community. Not that that's our goal, not that that's what we want to be known as, but because of our hearts, people are starting to see that. And there's schools that call and ask us how we can come alongside them. There's, there's other churches that are calling and seeing how we can come alongside them because we are walking in that value of being generous that God has called us to be. But you know, as I was praying this week, and because if you know anything about me, you've heard it a hundred times, I despise let me, let me do that past tense. I despised talking about money, talking about resources, and talking about possessions until the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of me this week. And I can honestly say, I don't know that I've ever been more excited to share something with you. 
Because the reality is, I'm not sharing Brian's attention, uh, my, my opinion. We're sharing the truth of God's word. And so that's what we're gonna focus on this morning. But, but what God revealed to me is yes, that Chestnut Mountain Church, we want to be known as a generous church, but in order for us to be known as a generous church, we've gotta be full of a room that are generous people because you realize you are the body here at Chestnut Mountain Church. So if we're gonna be generous, we're all gonna have to be generous for us to walk in the calling that God has placed on our hearts. So if God has sent you here, God's expecting you to be a part of the mission and the vision here. And yeah, that may include being generous. That may be include being generous. But you know, as I said, I always dread this talk. I always kind of shy away from it, if at all possible. And as of Monday and Tuesday, I've still felt that way. Until something happened Tuesday morning. As many of you know, I go to, to our camper right north of Cleveland to study on Tuesdays. And I was headed up there and I pulled into the, to the QT for my energy drink that I knew I would need about 10.30 or 11 o'clock. So as I pull into the QT off Limestone, I'm walking into the store. And in that moment, I met a man who comes walking out of the store. And you know, when you just make eye contact with somebody and you know, okay, we're about to have a conversation. This man walks out of the door and he opens and he lets me in. And, and I knew right when I made eye contact with him, I knew he was gonna ask me for something. I knew he was. But you see how God works, as many of you know, I cut grass on Fridays and Thursday afternoon, that's kind of my serenity, I get to check out. And I had just cashed a check for my grass cutting this past week. But Friday morning or Tuesday morning when I'm getting up to go to the camper, I just felt led to hurry up and empty my wallet at home. And so I did, I pulled my wallet out and I put it in my little secret hole. You know how y'all do, men, y'all all know you got one. So I stuffed that sucker away because I know me, if I've got cash in my wallet, I'm gonna spend it. And so I'm like, I gotta get it out. So I got it out. Now go back to the conversation that I'm having with this man. I knew the moment I saw him that he was gonna ask me for something. And so Tony approaches me and he looks at me and he said, sir, he said, I, I just got out of prison this morning. And he said, I don't have anything. He said, is there anything that you have that could help me get back on my feet? And I'm thinking, wait a minute, God, why, you just made me empty my wallet at home and I ain't got squat. So I said, sir, I said, I know I'm gonna sound like a broken record to you, but I said, I just emptied my wallet at home. I said, not that it was a lot of money anyway, but I said, let me see what I do have. Church, I pulled out my wallet and I opened it up and you're thinking, oh God, implanted like 5,000. No, he, that's not what happened. I had $2, $2 is what I had in my wallet. And so very humiliated, honestly, I handed him my $2 and I said, sir, look, I know this isn't gonna help you a lot, but here's all I have. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit said, you got a lot more than $2, you got me. And so I said, sir, I said, I know this $2 isn't gonna help you, but would you mind if I share with you something that I know can help you? And the moment I asked him that question, his face was just 
just the humility that fell over his whole countenance. And I said, can I tell you about Jesus? And he looked at me and he said, sir, he said, I am thankful that you are ready to share Jesus with me. He said, because I know him. He said, I've fell on my face and I've asked God to save me. He said, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. And if it weren't for him, I wouldn't have any hope. But he said, I know I just got out of prison, but I've got all the hope in the world because it's found in Christ. <laughs> well, God, thanks for that opportunity. I prayed to receive Christ right there in the parking lot of the QT that day. It was amazing. I'm just kidding. And so I finished the conversation. He shook my hand and hugged my neck and I went and got in my truck and I said, well, God, that was kind of anticlimactic. Like I thought, you know, you gave me the boldness to share. You gave me the opportunity. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit said, Brian, he said, that's what being generous is about. It's not about money. It's about what you do have. Because you see, in that moment, I didn't have any money, but I had Jesus. And so I was obedient in that, that I said, look, God, all I got is $2, but I know somebody. And so as I got back in my truck, I'm still kind of frustrated. I'm still kind of dreading today. And God said, Brian, he said, that's all you gotta tell the people on Sunday. Tell them I don't want their money. Tell them I want their heart. You tell the people of Chestnut Mountain Sunday that I don't want their money. You know, God don't need our money. God's not sitting up on his throne this morning all white knuckled and saying, oh God, I hope Chestnut Mountain Church gives this weekend. Because if, if they don't, we are in trouble. That's not God. God doesn't need our money. God wants our heart. But when we think about that, when we're real serious about surrendering a heart, guess what? Sometimes that will require our finances. That will require our resources. That will require our possessions. So I want you to hear my heart today that today is not about your money. Today's about your heart. I want you to flip to 1 Peter. This is kind of a strange place to start with when we're talking about being generous. But 1 Peter chapter one, I wanna share with you just two verses and then we're gonna be in 1 and 2 Corinthians a lot today. But you see in 1 Peter chapter one, verse 23 and 24 and 25 actually, I want you to look at what Peter writes. He says, for you have been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but imperishable. Taking note there, he says, been born again. That means that this is to the believers. You have been saved by God's grace, by a seed which is not, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and the enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all of its glory, like the flower of grass and the grass withers and the flowers fall off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. You see, anytime we talk about being generous or we talk about giving, 
We always have the wrong concept or the wrong thoughts because we think this is the day where the pastor or whoever is sharing is gonna stand up and give the guidelines or the guardrails as to what generosity looks like. Because we've got the wrong perspective. Because some of you are even right now when we're talking about guidelines or when we're talking about these guardrails of being generous, some of you are going, okay, just tell me how much, just tell me how often, and just tell me what I'm supposed to give. Just go ahead and do that because look, we're all rule followers. It makes it a whole lot easier if we can just hear what we're supposed to give. Look, you get a bill in the mail, you know exactly what you're supposed to pay. You write the check, you send it in. Or they draft it automatically, ever how that works nowadays. But I want you to hear my heart today. Today is not a day where we set guidelines or where we set rules or we set the, the kind of the, the rules of, of how do we give, when do we give and what do we give. That's not what today is about. Today is about understanding this seed that we just read about. You see, when you prayed to receive Christ, when you chose to follow him, when you surrendered to, you, to your life to him, that seed was planted in you and that seed is the Holy Spirit. And what you need to know about the Holy Spirit, it is alive, it is active and it is moving. That's what you need to know about this spirit that is living inside of you. And going back to biblical teaching, you've got this spirit living in you. The reason that we focus on teaching the word of God is this is the bread of life. And when, when this bread is feeding the spirit living in us, that spirit is gonna grow. That spirit is gonna increase in its capacity. That, in, that spirit is gonna go from being inside to spilling over out of us. But we have to be feeding it with the bread of life, with the word of God. And so as we feed it, we should be seeing this spirit in us, this seed growing out of us. You see, we know that that we look back in Genesis, we shared this just a couple of weeks ago, or actually last week, but God created us in his own image. And then in 2 Corinthians 3.18, you can turn there right quick. We're not gonna be here just a second. But in 2 Corinthians 3.18, what we read here is that now, as followers of Christ, we are being transformed into his likeness. So we read in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, but we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from the glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. You see, we're being molded into the image of his son. The more the spirit in us is fed, the more the spirit in us grows out, the more we're becoming like Christ the more we're becoming and begin showing and portraying the characteristics of who he is. Now, when we look at some of those characteristics, there's a lot of them. As we're growing in Christ, as we are feeding the spirit, our heart for love should be growing. Our kindness should be growing. Our consistency should be growing. You know, God's also slow to anger. That should probably be growing too. Some of you are going, oh boy. But we see all of these areas of our life, we, we should be becoming more forgiving the more the spirit in us is growing. But there's a characteristics that a lot of times that we sort of forget about because it's so big. You see that God himself was generous. 
Jesus Christ was a giver. He was open-handed with everything he had. You see, God gives us peace. God gives us strength. He gives us hope. He gives us grace. He gives us direction. And we're gonna come back to that one in just a little while, but God gives us direction. God gives us life and life eternal. But the one that we all know about is God gave his son. God gave his son. And so as we feed the spirit living in us, as we feed the spirit, the seed that's been planted in us, that seed should be growing out of us to where we start picking up these attributes of God. And one of those is being generous. You see, the best way I know to show this is because anytime we talk about being generous or anytime we talk about being givers, the reason that I have dreaded this, the reason that I normally don't like talking about this, because I've had the wrong perspective. Because the reality is, is I feel that it's my job to stand up here and give you some motivational speech on how to empty your wallets. And that my job is to guilt you in until you come up here and throw out everything you have. But we all know that when we look at that, it would be much like this balloon. You see, it's not my job to motivate you. Because if I have to motivate you every week, it's gonna be me sitting here going, okay, I gotta keep them motivated. We gotta keep them from hitting the ground. We've gotta keep doing our job. And look, that's gonna get exhausting for you. That's gonna get exhausting for me. It is not my job as the pastor, the preacher, to keep you motivated on giving. You're gonna get frustrated. I'm gonna get frustrated. You're gonna get worn out. I'm gonna get worn out to the point we get to the place where we're just, to heck with it. That's just exhausting. Here comes another giving talk. How many times have we all said that? Here's just another giving talk. Church, we've got the wrong perspective. Because the truth is, is if I can stand up here this week and talk you into giving, I'm gonna have to be right back up here next week talking you into it again. Or there's something in your life that's gonna happen this week that's gonna talk you out of it. And then I'm gonna have to stand up again and say, oh, just keep coming. Let's keep coming. Uh oh, 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 pfft. And, and look, you're gonna get tired of me. I'm gonna get tired of you. And it's just gonna wear every body out. But that's the point of today. That's what I want you to hear in my heart today is that it's not my job to keep you motivated. It's not my job to keep you in a position where you wanna give. I can't do that. It's not my ability to do that. And truthfully, I love you too much to do that. I love you too much to stand here every single week and try to guilt you into giving, to try to guilt you into being generous. That's not my job. That's the seed living inside of you. That's his job, not mine. Because you know, all in the Old Testament and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and even in Malachi, we know that the people were commanded to give a tithe. And a tithe was 10%. They were commanded to do that. And in many cases we read throughout the scripture, if they didn't, they were punished, some were killed, 
They were treated brutally if they weren't following the commandments. And so if I stand up here every week and I think I've got to guilt you into it and I have to command you to do it, then I'm doing nothing any different than they did in the Old Testament. But we know that Christ came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. And my heart for you is I want you to experience all that God has for you. It takes all the fun out of it if I get to stand up here and tell you what you're supposed to do. You see, that's exactly what Paul is gonna do to the church at Corinth. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter eight. And this is where we're gonna spend a lot of our time today. Um, And if you know me, I always do things backwards. So we're gonna be looking at verses one through eight, but we're actually gonna start in verses seven and eight. And we're gonna kind of go uphill. But this is what Paul is going to do to the church at Corinth. He's going to remind them of their responsibility as believers, as the church. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verses seven and eight. He says, but you, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance, in knowledge and in all earnestness, in the love that we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. I am not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others, the sincerity of your love also. You see, Paul was a sneaky guy. He really was. You see, we know that the church at Corinth, they really struggle with pride sometimes. And so what we even read right there in verse seven is that he kind of stroked their ego a little bit. He said, look, man, y'all are doing a great job. He said, man, your faith is strong. You're growing in your faith. You're growing in your knowledge of the Lord. You're growing in the way you speak of the Lord. But then he says, but don't you forget about being generous. Don't you forget about being generous. Because what Paul knows is if there is genuine genuine growth happening inside of the believer, that it's going to affect all aspects of their life. Yes, as we dive into the word of God, we're gonna learn more about God. We're gonna be able to speak more about God. Our faith is gonna be strengthened in God. However, if we are genuinely growing in Christ, if this seed living in us is coming to life, then it's gonna affect all aspects of our life as a follower of Christ. And that includes being generous. That includes being generous. And so that's what Paul's doing. He stroked, he said, look, y'all got all this other stuff figured out. Y'all are doing a great job, but don't you forget about being generous. You see that they had made a commitment that they were going to help the poor in their community. They had made that commitment that they were gonna do that. But he told them, I love what verse eight says. It says there that, that it would be in sincerity with their heart, that their growth was going to be reflected by the sincerity of their motives, of what their heart was all about. And that included being generous. That included being open-handed with what they had. Do y'all not find it funny that of all the things that Paul had to remind the Corinthian church of that money was it, that it was the fact of being generous? You see church, they were just like us. We can look around our church right now and we can say, man, we are growing. We're growing in our faith. 
We're growing in attendance. We're growing in our knowledge of the word of God. We're growing in, in the family of God, seeing people baptized every single week. We're seeing all that. But what we cannot forget to do is to be generous, to be open-handed in all areas of what God has called us to do. Because we can look at certain areas and say, oh, we got this one figured out. But what is always the first one we forget about and leave out? It's that financial side. Because man, that's the one we hold true to our heart. Isn't it? Can we, y'all just be real with me this morning, isn't it? Oh, I'll, I'll serve. I'll serve, but don't ask me to give. Why is it, church? Why is that? And look, I'm speaking to me too. It's something that I wrestle with. Y'all heard me just a minute ago that I've got my little kitty over there in the side of cutting grass. And in my mind, guess where that goes? That goes to all my deer hunting stuff. You see what I'm saying? I got beat up all week too. But you see, Paul understands that if we're open-handed with that, if we're growing in all areas, then we will display the sincerity of our heart. Is every area of our life exemplifying the love of God? Because you understand that being generous is not about you. Being generous is for others, for the ministry, for the work of the kingdom. Being generous is not about you. Being generous is that one moment that you have to die to yourself. And you know who can teach us that a lot of times? And I'm really going off track right here, but it's okay. Our kids. You see, our kids understand generosity better than we do. We were going through the car wash yesterday and I had my boys, Brock and Cooper, were with me. And there was a little, there was a young man there that was with the little pressure washer, pressure washing the front of my truck off. And this kid's just glowing with a smile on his face. And Brock said, daddy, that's the boy that I've invited to church. He said, that's the little boy that's come to church with me several times. I said, Brock, how do you know him? He goes, we ride the bus together. And so I told Brock, I said, Brock, I did. Here again, I'm pulling that whole, I emptied my wallet thing. Cause remember I gave my last $2 at the QT. I really didn't have anything. And I said, I really would love to, to tip that boy. And Brock goes, daddy, I got $5. I said, well, buddy, is that what you wanna do? And he goes, why would I not? <laughs> but you know, us adults, we gotta say, oh, well, I need to pray about that one. But you see, that's the generosity living inside of a child. What would it look like church if we had that heart again? Where we didn't worry about a bill, if we didn't worry about what we had to have, but we had the heart of a child. And if we saw a need, we saw an opportunity, we just said, why would we not? Why would we not? Because when we do that, we're exemplifying the love of God. We're exemplifying generosity. It has nothing to do with the money, but everything to do with the heart. But you know, when you read through the book of First and Second Corinthians, I do like that, I, do, I say I do like. I don't know that I really like it, but Paul kind of offers up some, some thoughts that we can kind of use as a litmus test to see where we're at, to see where we're at as individuals, to see where our home is at. We're gonna bounce around a little bit right here. I want you to flip to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse two. 
1 Corinthians 16, 2. Paul writes here, he says, and on the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collection be made when I come. You see, the point Paul is trying to make here that as a follower of Christ, we're called to be consistent. Because you see, he's saying to them at the first day of every week, you take it up, you, you offer it up because when I come to town, and you invest in my ministry, I don't want you to give sporadically. I don't want you to just give off the hip. I don't want you just to do this just to say you're doing it. I want you to be constantly thinking and constantly being molded into this heart of generosity. And if you will get in a habit, a discipline of being generous, then that is what forces us to be consistent. Because you see a lot, if you're like me, I know the way I grew up, I grew up in a little bitty independent Baptist church and the way that we gave we didn't talk about giving. We didn't talk about being generous. But when that offering plate came by, you know what we did was we pulled up our wallet and we said, oh, what do we got? If it was $2, we gave $2. If it was 20, we gave 20. But the reality of that is we, a lot of times we would give to that just to check the box, to say, oh, I gave this week. So here I am growing up in that little world and my wife, when we got married, some. 16 years ago, right? She doesn't even know. She didn't just, she had to think, praise God. I wish I'd have been, you would have been wrong. But she grew up going to Free Chapel. And I don't know if you know anything about the ministry over there, but everything they do is debt free. Everything they do is paid for. You know why? Because they've taught consistency. They've taught being led by the Holy Spirit of God as to what to give. And so when both of our worlds collided, <laughs> it was rather comical in a lot of ways. Look, we were still singing from the red hymnals. But when she began to exemplify to me what it meant to be consistent, when we sat down and did our budget and our tithe was the first thing we addressed, I had a problem with it. I'm like, Joseph, that's a lot. Do you, that adds up every week. And what she instilled in me was the consistency of being obedient. And church, that's my heart and I'm getting way ahead of myself. But what would it look like if Chestnut Mountain Church was a heart of a church that gave led by the Holy Spirit and not one based off rules and regulations? What would it look like if we got honest before God and we said, God, what would you have me give? And look, it's scary. And I'm gonna get to that in a minute. I'm getting way ahead of myself, sorry. But number one is we see there that Paul wants us to be consistent. Then we look at 2 Corinthians 9, 7. I told y'all we we're gonna be flipping. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Paul tells the church at Corinth here, he says, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion for God loves the cheerful giver. That's exactly why Paul addressed what he addressed in the passage we just read in 1 Corinthians. Don't give off compulsion. Because when we give off compulsion, we get to the point where we dread when somebody stands up and talks about giving. We dread it because we're not being led by the Spirit. We're looking at it as a rule to follow. So don't do it out of guilt. 
Don't give today out of guilt. Don't give today because I'm talking about being generous. Don't do that. And then we look at one verse above that in verse six. It says, now I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, this is a verse a lot of times that we kind of hold hostage to get it to say what we want it to say. Because if I told each and every one of you today, hey, if you'll put $10 in the offering plate, you'll get 20 back this week. Who would not sign up for that? We all would, right? Everybody would sign up for that. But understand that again, that's the wrong motive. Don't be open-handed with what you've got and give it to God, expecting for him to multiply it and give it back in more. You see, your heart's not right because there's a selfish motive in that. You're saying, I'm gonna give only because I think God is gonna give me more back. You see, the, the, the harvest that's talking about, the, the reaping bountifully, it's not talking about monetarily. You see, this is the beauty of the gospel. The more we're open-handed with our resources, do you understand that the, the, the reaps of the benefit that we may see is not in finances, but it's in every week seeing people step into that water, surrendering their heart and their life to Jesus Christ. That's the harvest that it's talking about. You say, well, Brian, you've, what were y'all open at? We, look, we've become the hamburger church. We, you say, what the heck's a hamburger church? You realize how many schools that Tim lines up every week to go and cook hamburgers for students, for teachers? You say, well, what's the big deal? Church, that's given us an open door to share the gospel. Yes, we're having to spend the money to do it. Yes, we're having to make an investment to do it. But you know the beauty of that? is now you let disaster come to that school, guess who they call? They call us. And now the door is wide open for us to go in and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just three weeks ago, I was able to go to Lyman Hall and pray with all of their staff for the upcoming year. And one of their staff members, his daughter has just found a tumor right behind her heart. And so in that moment, I was able to bring this family of teachers together and share with them Christ, to share with them the love of the Father. You see, church, that's reaping the harvest. I didn't go to Lyman Hall and they give me a check that doubled what we had spent on them. But you see, church, that's what the harvest is about. It's not about finances. It's about the kingdom growing. It's about the kingdom getting bigger because of our obedience. So don't misunderstand that passage. Don't read that, that text in the wrong context because we're gonna see the harvest. We're going to see the harvest, but it may not be what we think it is. There's an example that, that I've really just stumbled across and it's one of those things you've read your entire life, but you've never paid it a lot of attention. There was a community of churches that understood that. Flip back one page to 2 Corinthians chapter eight, and that's the last time we're, we're moving again. But 2 Corinthians chapter eight, verses one and two. Look what Paul says. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. 
I want y'all to pay attention to verse two. This is mind-blowing. That in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. Does that not sound like the most conflicting text you've ever read in your life? Break down what, what Paul's just said there. Here's these churches in Macedonia. Paul said they're in a great affliction and their deep poverty is overflowing. But at the same time, they were overflowed with joy and the quality of their giving. I think they get it. I think they understand it. That even in spite of their affliction, even in spite of their poverty, that they were overflowed with joy because they understood the grace of God and they understood when they were obedient to God, they were exemplifying his grace. They were showing his grace. They were open-handed with what they had and they knew that it wasn't about them, but it was about the grace of God. It was all because they knew his grace. And when we read something like that, yes, that is admirable. We can, we can applaud that, that even they were, they were afflicted, they were broke, but yet they still gave. That shows where their heart is. And while we can applaud that, look, it's not finished. I want you to keep reading. Look in verses three and four. This is even more eye-opening. Paul says, for I testify, listen to this, that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. Verse four, begging. Did y'all hear that? Begging as with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. Did y'all catch what he's talking about there? They're in tough times. They're broke, but yet they have joy. Yet they're still giving. Some were giving what they could afford. Some were even giving what they couldn't afford, but they were begging Paul to make an investment into the kingdom. They were begging Paul to, Paul, let us invest. And so we wonder, was Paul saying, hey, look, y'all are struggling right now. We understand if you don't cut the check this month. But they're saying, no, Paul. We wanna believe, we wanna be a part of what it is that you're doing. And they were begging, they were begging to participate in supporting of the saints. What if we showed up every Sunday begging to give, begging to be generous? I think things would look a little bit different. But you see, understand, that it's not about your money, it's about your heart. And the mind-blowing thing is there that some gave what they could, some gave beyond. They were begging to participate. It said that they gave of their own accord, meaning that they gave voluntarily. See, that's the beauty of God's grace is God doesn't demand you give. God doesn't punish you if you don't. God doesn't say this, he doesn't say that, he doesn't set the rules in place. But you see, the more we understand the grace of God, the more we want to show the grace of God. The more we understand that he's the provider, the more that we wanna play the role of the provider. 
Because again, it's the reflection of his grace. It's the reflection of his love. It's the reflection of him being generous. And look, I know some of you are going, okay, well, how much did they give? How much did they give? How much did these churches at Macedonia give? If you'll just tell us, it'll be a whole lot easier. Let's just cut to the chase and let us know what we owe today. I don't have a clue. All I know is that some gave what they could afford and some gave what they couldn't. You say, well, what does that mean? You remember a while ago when we were talking about the characteristics of God, the attributes of God is that that God is a God who provides direction, that he's generous with giving us direction. I would venture to say that the churches at Macedonia had asked for God's direction. And when God laid something on their heart, I guarantee you they pulled out their checkbook and they thought, oh my goodness, I cannot afford that this month. Because it said that they gave what they could not afford. You see, how many times have you asked for God's direction and God leads you to do something that's gonna stretch you? How many times have you asked for God's direction and he sends you in a direction that you scares you to death? I have to believe with everything in me, that's what happened here, is they were seeking God, directing God, laid something on their heart, and by all means, their flesh was going, Ooh, I don't know if I can do that. But they remembered the grace of God. They remembered the grace of God. And instead of hearing the flesh, instead of following what their flesh was telling them to do or not to do, they trusted the Holy Spirit of God. They trusted the Holy Spirit of God because you see, when God calls us to do things that stretch us, he's always faithful. God is not gonna call you to do something that's gonna leave you out to dry. But you see, that's the beauty again of God's grace. It's not about your money. It's not about, but it's all about your heart. You see, there's going to be times that God prompts us to do something that's gonna make us uncomfortable, but that is the beauty of who he is. That is when he proves himself faithful. He's wanting us to exercise our faith. He's wanting us to step out on that faith so he can show us who he is. And the more we exercise that faith, the stronger the muscle of faith becomes. In those moments where we think there was no way, God is always faithful and shows the way. And he provides the way. The more stretched we are, the more faithful he proves himself to be. And when that begins to happen in us as the church, when that seed of faith begins to grow and grows outside of us, Church, it doesn't take me standing up here and providing some sales pitch for you to give because it comes to a point where you want more of God, where you wanna see God prove his faithfulness, where you wanna be blown away at the work of God because your faith 
muscle. It's becoming stronger and it's growing. And so what we're called by God to do is to keep feeding the seed that lives in us, to keep reminding ourselves of how generous God is, how open-handed God was with everything that he had. And then what happens is we see a transformation that takes place that is not some external behavior modifications. Then when that seed begins to grow, it doesn't take me to beg and to talk you in to being motivated to be generous. But when that seed begins to grow in you, when that seed becomes alive in you, it doesn't take a whole lot. It doesn't take a whole lot because something happens internally. It doesn't take the external exercise of me beating you up every week. But what happens is something happens in you and all of a sudden the Spirit of God is what motivates you to be generous. The Spirit of God transforms who you are. And church, what does it look like when we become a Spirit-led church rather than following a bunch of rules or guidelines? Church, I don't think we can fathom the possibilities of the harvest that we can see if we will surrender our hearts. Notice I didn't say surrender your wallet, surrender your heart. But the truth is, is when we surrender our heart, it's not really hard to surrender our wallet because we're reminded of his grace. We're reminded of what he's done. And church, every time we see somebody step into the water, and I know Jason Lester's going, well, we don't ever get to see it. It's gonna be in the 1045. Hang around. See, we are baptizing, I think three or four, 1045, sorry. But church, that's the harvest that it's talking about that we get to celebrate what God is doing. And I know the, the flesh side of us, you're going, okay. But Brian, where do I start? Where do I start? I get it. You've guilted me and convicted me into this. No, I haven't. That's the spirit of God's word. This is him. This is not me. And you say, well, Brian, I need a starting place. And I know that we talked about the tithe a moment ago that that is 10%. It would be easy for me to say, yes, do your 10%. And I'll agree, that's a great place to start. But you know, a lot of times, I know you super spiritual people, you say, well, it doesn't mention the tithe in, in the New Testament. That's all that Old Testament law. So I'm not, I'm not held accountable to that. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5? He says, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. I'll let you take that for what it's worth. He didn't come to do away with it, but he just doesn't talk about it anymore because he said, if these people will fall in love with me, 10% becomes nothing because they understand my grace. They understand what I've sacrificed. They understand what I've laid down and they will be just like the people of Macedonia. They will be begging to make an investment into this kingdom because they want these people to understand my grace the way that they do. 
But yeah, maybe today that 10% is a place to start. You know, back in November, Tim and I stood up here and we shared the, the $25 dream of a way that we as a church family could gather with each other to lock arms to get rid of this commitment that we have to the bank on this facility. And I am so thankful for those who bought in. Since last November, our giving to the building is up 70%. Church, that's huge. Yes, praise God for that. But you know, it all started with a $25. You say, well, what are you talking about? Some of you may not know. We had people in the church commit to $25 a week that is set up automatically drafted out of their account and it goes to the building. And I'm so thankful that people have bought in. But you know what? I would challenge you today to pray about it. Ask the Lord, God, what would you have me to give to that? And you say, oh, here it is. I knew it was coming. The building talk, the debt talk. Oh, I knew this is where we were going. But here's what I want you to hear, church. And I'll just call it like it is. Do you understand what we could do if this, this debt chains were broken do you understand the investment that we could make? Do you understand what we could be open-handed with it? Do you understand that every call that we were able to receive, we can say, sure, you need it, we're sending it. That's extending grace. That's what Jesus did for us. But what if today you prayed about that $25? Here's what I know about God. God's gonna lay on some of your hearts $100. Then on the flip side of that, God's gonna lay on your heart, some of you, $2. You know what? If it's the two or if it's the hundred, you're just as faithful because you're obedient to what God, the Holy Spirit, the seed living in you is directing you to do. But when is the last time we as a body of believers have got on our face before God and we've acknowledged him and said, God, how do I need to be generous? What does generous look like in my household? What does it look like? But church, please hear my heart today. It's not about your money. It's about your heart. It's about your obedience. What would it look like if we were a church that was led by the Holy Spirit on what we gave? And when the Holy Spirit leads, I'll go ahead and tell you right now, it's gonna make you uncomfortable. You see, we'll be voting on our church budget in the next upcoming weeks. And we as a staff, we've, we've sat and we've looked at that last year at what we've given, what we've let go of. And so we sat down on paper and we said, look, the budget is increasing, the church is growing. So I think we need to increase what we're giving. You know, what's very easy to do is just slap a number on that and say, mm, that sounds good. But as I asked Tim and Jared and, I said, let's just begin to pray and ask the Lord what he wants us to do as a church. Because here's the reality. If we're gonna ask you to pray, then we better be leading that way. We better be praying 
And I don't know what it is about my driveway with slivered up worms and birds that are getting beat up. But the other morning I was walking in my driveway and it's almost like the Holy Spirit just spoke loud and clear. And when you know it's him, is when you're not even asking him. I wasn't thinking about this. I wasn't thinking about the spiritual conversation that me and Jared and Tim had. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit said two times. I said, huh? He said, yeah. I want you as a church family we're gonna increase what we're letting go of by 100%. Does the numbers line up? I don't know. But it's what God's laid on our hearts to do. So church, we're stepping out on faith. We're stepping out on faith. And I know some of us are going, well, but Brian, we need to take care of the debt first. No, we need to listen to the voice of God first. And so we as a church this year, look, that doesn't mean that that's in stone because you're the church. You get to vote on that. You get to vote on if we're gonna double what we gave away. But remember, for us to be a generous church, we've gotta be made up of generous people. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.